Okay, Mike, so it's been a while. It has indeed. We are uh, basically on the, I guess, the day after or the day of a whole bunch of point leaks that just, it's like the floodgates were lifted last night and at like 5 a.m., 4 a.m., whatever time it is, it's 4 a.m. somewhere in the world, right? So. <laughs> yeah. uh, so our our European friends uh, were basically going nuts this morning, talking about all the different leaks that had come out, and uh, so we woke up to a a pleasant uh, surprise today, where we basically got to see what all the points look like. So, you know, tonight I guess we're going to dive right into that stuff and try and uh, I guess talk about what's good, what's not good, and uh, go from there. Yeah, I will admit that I was uh, having a slow day at work, and I was like, "What is my Discord doing?" And then I. Uh... Checks like, oh my lord! So, yeah, I uh, think, I think that multiple people had that where they they logged in and there were uh, what like two hundred and fifty messages or something, and it's kind of uh-huh. like oh oh god, what happened today? Yep. <clears throat> so, so um, where do we start? I mean, if you, we had a conversation about doing this episode last week, and I had a whole thing is like we should look over the core rules like what's changed what's the same what's different and all that stuff and then this happened and uh yeah change happens doesn't it yep gotta watch out for that change so uh looking at the sort of what we have available i actually think that uh the uh well a few things happened in addition to the the uh, points leaking uh day one faqs were also released for a large number of armies, which is interesting. Um, but I think we can go start off with sort of the points changes because that's a, been a topic of great discussion and ire um, on uh, the various online uh, communities. Is cultists went up by six, but intercessors only went up by however much, and that's a huge percentage difference. Um, <clears throat> And so I think that that'll actually be one of the biggest things is uh, effectively everyone can sort of agree that across the board, almost everything is going up in points, at least in some capacity. I say almost because there are some exceptions. Um, And uh, what is increasing and what is not is actually will sort of spell out for us uh, sort of going in blind um, what. Uh, the game is going to look like. Um, one of the big things that was really interesting to me is uh, so my biggest complaint uh, about eighth edition and the way that it points is that if you wanted to know how much something cost, you have to look up the points of the unit and then look up the points of their basic gun. So, for instance, a fantastic example is Dark Reapers from for Eldar. Dark Reapers are five points a model. But their guns are like 27 points, so they're actually 32 points a model. Um, well, they've completely gotten rid of that. They went back to their old standard of if your guy has his basic gun, the basic gun costs nothing. So, for instance, <clears throat> a Inferno bolt gun cost two points in the previous edition. Well, now it costs zero points which means that Rubric Marines, as much as they show on the sheet, they went up by two points, actually stayed the same. Um, which is a huge difference. Um, and I, I think that that will go a long ways towards making the it much 
easier to keep track of how much things actually cost and be less inclined to make stupid mistakes when building your lists. Uh, for instance, there have been plenty of times where I get called out where I'll uh, make a list and then I'll forget that, oh wait, I have an underslung gun on this thing that cost me two points. I guess I'm two points over. Yeah, I think the um, uh, when you look at things in the context, it's you have a lot of stuff that's gone up in points almost across the board, right? So you've yes. got almost every army having some percentage. And I know there was a graph floating around on the internet that that showed the percentage of each army and kind of an average of how much each model in that army went up. Uh, and Thousand Suns actually made out pretty good across the board, Where whereas like Eldar, I think, got hit the worst on just you a model-by-model model basis. But I think <laughs> kind of what you were just saying it doesn't take into account the the war gear costs, right? Yeah. And, and so, I think that you might know a little bit more and can speak a little more to that. Yeah. So I saw, I came into this a little late. So I saw the uh, people going on about how El Craftworld Eldar are dead, the Harlequins forever. However, I actually, I, I, I did a, a look and yes, Eldar went up in points across the board. However, they didn't go up as much as the unit costs might indicate. Effectively, the Eldar, all the units went up in cost by a ton. So like Dark Reapers went up from like 7 points to almost 30. But their guns no longer cost points. And so they actually come out just about as well as everyone else. Um, it's just that they as a small steady uh, points increase. Um, and almost nothing in their army went down in points, which is not necessarily true for well, thousand sons. So if we're if we're jumping right into points here, what do you think is the biggest winner in the whole thing? I mean, the exalted sorcerer is a wins hands down. Uh, they went down by twelve points, so that puts them cheaper than a sorcerer and terminator armor. Um, and as uh, by uh, uh, like. Eight points, I think, because the Terminator also has to pay for his gun, whereas the Exalted Sorcerer doesn't. Um, and so now yes. the Exalted Sorcerer, it's actually a choice whether you want to take them. Um, whereas previously, you were paying extra points for a better stat line that wasn't really relevant to their role. Um, and so by bringing their points down, decreasing the gap, points gap between them and a regular sorcerer, there's now a some incentive to actually take what is one of the coolest looking HQ models in, in our army. They're very unique, very customizable. Like Aramon's fantastic. His model's beautiful. Magnus is beautiful. My, easily the one of my favorite releases Games Workshop has ever done. But they're not your dudes. Whereas an exalted sorcerer, you can kit them out exactly how you like. You can make them your personal customizable model, and now you actually have a reason to take them. Maximus Beximus might actually see table blows top. Yeah, and especially with the fact that they, um, I think one of the big things they were looking at is the errata. Uh, they had the FAQ today, and you know, I think in there there's a there's at least a blurb that talks about the fact that if you do take Magnus, it doesn't break your your cult. Um, uh, cult restrictions, more or less. So I've got the uh, I've got the point changes here, um, so we can look at actually what has changed the most over the course of this uh, this whole update here. So let me uh, go ahead and sort this way here. So obviously Magnus took the biggest point bump uh, out of everything, um, but it 
you know, there was a there was a Goonhammer article that was out, and they were talking about the fact that um, the there was almost like a reverse engineering they did on how the upgrades were done or the the increase in points were done across the board, and it kind of it, it, they lay it out pretty well. And it seems like they've probably got a rough idea uh, from what I saw that that makes sense where they bracketed uh, models by where they were in points and then they adjusted them with a flat point uh, adjustment. And then from there, what they did was some fine tuning where there might be some units that, okay, they didn't deserve to get increased. So we just decreased the points. Um, exalted sorcerers are probably one of them where they went in and they said, well, you know what, there does not make sense for an exalted sorcerer to go up proportionately like Aramon would, even though they're right within the same cost, uh, uh, cost realm of that. And Magnus, I think came into the same, the same bracket there where he, you know, with the super heavies and the primarchs, they kind of said, well, if you're over 400 and something points, you just basically got 20 points tacked on. Um, so in reality though, I think that's, actually making out pretty well uh, proportionately with how much he could have gone up, right? Yeah. I mean, I, I did some looking, and effectively it seems as though every super heavy went up by a equivalent number of points for the most part, uh, even the ones that are sort of not considered to be very viable, so like the Wraith Knight, for instance. Um, and... With everything going up, a 20% points increase is actually a very small percentage for Magnus. And uh, so it's not a huge... Uh, Does it... Would you consider it a... In the grand scheme of things, is it a point reduction? Or are you, are you kind of like me looking at this and saying, if it didn't go up in points, that's a point reduction. Yes. And then if it went down in points, that's not just a point reduction. That's a that's a major point... You know, yeah, that's like a major buff, buff. for the unit. Yeah. So the Exalted Sorcerer is an obvious example of an, uh, a, you know, a big time buff. Uh, the other thing that also we saw a little bit of an, uh, an upgrade. And again, it continues its, you know, downward movement and point cost is the, uh, the Chaos Land Raider. I mean, the, the thing needs help. Um, I mean, we can keep, we talked about this, right? Like we can keep reducing the price on this thing, but at a certain point, reducing the points on it, isn't what's wrong with the with the model it's yeah. more it, it just, core to what it is right yeah it, it lacks a definite combat role i mean what does like the chaos land raider even do anymore i mean for if you want to transport 10 dudes get a rhino or a drill if you want last cannons get a predator or well, i guess for a thousand suns get a predator um yeah. and it's just it's multi-role and it's very tough uh, with a two up save, toughness eight, it's, it's, it's about as tough as you're going to get. You can you could buff it to give it like an invuln save or whatever, and I don't really see much reason to do so. Um, but I, I don't think points are what's really going to save the the poor chaos land raider. Uh, it needs really, really needs to more options and yeah, uh, something that makes it stand out like. I don't know, make it able to transport more dudes. That'd be nice. Yeah. What you're, or, I mean, what you're really talking about is it doesn't have a role right now, right? Yeah. Like, I it, mean, it's it, a transport that wants to be a gun platform, but it's not a good gun platform. So, 
Yeah, I mean, back whenever I first started playing, the purpose of the Land Raider was to transport Terminators because deep striking was dangerous and you couldn't assault out of a deep strike. Well, now deep striking isn't dangerous and you can assault out of a deep strike even though it is a 9-inch charge. It's this, There's no reason to pay the extra points for the Land Raider and other than if you really just want to be like rule of cool. Yeah, and what's unfortunate is, that, you know, if you notice the war gear costs that came out, they did reduce the LAS cannon by, I think, five points. So instead of 25, they're now 20 points. That's uh-huh. nice. But they didn't adjust the twin LAS cannon. So that still counts as, uh, what, uh, 50, 50 points, I think? Yeah, I believe yeah. I believe that's the case. I could be wrong there. But uh, from what I was seeing, it looks like it. the twin LAS cannon remains the same. But taking one LAS cannon, you get a little bit of a nerf. Well... That doesn't do a lot on a lot of our stuff because how many of our vehicles can actually just take a single LAS cannon? I think the Predator's like the only yeah. thing, right? Um, according to this, twin LAS cannon went down by 10 points. Did it? Okay. Well, I guess then yeah. the, the point adjustment, Wait. that that oh, would make sense if it went down by, by 10. Oh, okay. Yeah, I see what it is now. So yeah, uh, LAS cannons used to be 25. Now they're 20. Twin LAS cannons are just, they're 40. Okay. So they did, they did in, uh, decrease that cost. So you're coming out to 272 points for one of them, which, you know, it's not, it's not that bad. I mean, it's still really pricey though for what it does. There's better things, right? Yeah, I mean, especially with the buff that the Defiler got. Um, oh yeah, and if, I mean, look at the price for, of the Defiler, right? Yeah, if you're competing for a heavy support slot, it, the Defiler comes, it heals itself, it has an invuln save, it has the same toughness, if I recall. Um, it's just it's difficult to compete with that. It, it's almost better to take two Forge Fiends for that matter. And I believe the Plasma guns will get a, a blast uh, potential, or they should have a blast potential or blast ability added to them that you know modifies how many shots they get. Um, maybe they don't, but my understanding is anything that pretty much had you know random shots is getting the, the blast uh, the blast ability added to it. Uh, so, you know, th- those are, I've been, I've been looking at that and thinking forge fiends are a really good option to at least look at it first, because just a squad of six and you're getting the maximum amount of shots out of the plasma because it's D three. So you're getting a minimum of three, meaning you're getting max shots from each gun. So that's six shots right there out of the forge fiend. They're guaranteed as long as you shoot a unit that has six or more models. Uh, so, yeah. That that looks promising, but I don't know whether that's actually going to work out or not. But in the grand scheme of things, two of them is 250 points, and you're still cheaper than one Land Raider. And I want to say that with a five-up invuln, T7 versus T8, and a three-up save, I mean, you're you're within the realm of better durability for two of them than just one Land Raider. So the one of the big losers, I think, without a doubt, are the, the Scarab Occult Terminators. Um, and I kind of want to jump to them because the chaos terminators are, or the chaos space marine terminators are a good example of a unit that wasn't all that great, but staying the same. So they got a point reduction, right? Like we were talking about before. So the chaos terminators haven't moved in points, haven't changed at all, but the scarab occult terminators got jacked up in points. So even though you have the four staffs now for free, uh, you still got to pay for those power swords and, Again, they're power swords, which, why do they have freaking power swords? Why do they not have four swords? <laughs> I, 
Still can't answer that one. Yeah. Uh, but now, I mean, you're paying just about 200 points if you take, what, the missile launcher with a, with a stock squad? Or the Soul Reaper cannon, for that matter? You're just about at 200 points. That's, that's a lot for five models. I mean, honestly, the... I don't have a good answer for the what's going on with the Scarab Occult Terminators. It uh, so actually is there anything else in the uh, codex that takes power swords? And I guess they have the exalted. You swords can put them too. on. Yeah, the sorcerers. I think the the exalted sorcerers take them. I think the Terminator sorcerer can take one. Yeah, There's which is surprising because the- like they're the ones who shouldn't. They, I mean, they should have four swords, right? Yeah, the only reason why I ask is so the uh, I was looking at the uh, Craftworld uh, list and Craftworld power swords on everything except for their ex- um, autarks are free for all the relevant units. It's like <laughs> well, that makes sense. Yeah, I mean it's baked into the uh, unit cost for them, but it's I, I don't know the uh, I did notice that most of the Terminator equivalents did wind up going in cost in most of the armies I looked at, except for Chaos Space Marines, which is kind of unusual. Um, yeah, our our Sorcerer and Terminator armor I think went down two points. Yeah, with a familiar, and I think the familiar was spotted at ten points. So even with a ten point there, you're at what 120 points now. And you get the four staff. Yeah, because you get the four staff for free. Otherwise, it would have gone up more than that. So that's how we yeah. ended up with a net minus two. Mm-hmm. Same with the defiler. I mean, what what's your take on the <laughs> defiler? Do you think we can actually make use of it? So, yes and no. Uh, so the defiler is, is uh, actually coming out very well in this new edition. The ability to move and shoot without penalty, the changes to blast, the ability to fire their guns while in combat. Uh, all of those are great things for the Defiler. Uh, however, they don't have access to the type of support that the Defiler can get in a Chaos Space Marine army. They can't get a Lord Discordant for plus one to hit. They um, not The psychic powers don't necessarily help them as much. You can get uh, plus one to invuln save or uh, minus one to be shot at, but those buffs are largely better cast on other targets, usually. And so, so we're looking at, if you take, let's say you take the twin heavy bolter, which did, I believe, get a little bit of a price increase. I could be wrong, though. Um, the twin heavy bolter and the defiler scourge. So that's your probably your common load out there, right? So you get a little bit of a, um, you get a few shots out of the thing and then you get uh, a good amount of uh, close combat attacks. And the nice thing Mm. about the Scourge is the Defiler already hits pretty damn strong to begin with. And you throw the Demon Forge stratagem on him and immediately that guy can actually do some pretty good damage. I look at that at 147 and a Forge Fiend at 145. I almost think, geez, why would I even bother with the Forge Fiend? Why don't I just take a Defiler at that point, right? I mean, the def- the Forge Fiend is faster than the Defiler and is more of a sort of a focused role. The thing is, the Defiler is just... With the penalties for being multi-role pretty much gone, um, I think yeah. that the Defiler actually comes out very well. Um, he, fills, he can fill two roles, whereas yeah. the Forge Fiend really just focuses on one Probably, with a little yeah. bit of a movement advantage, right? Mm-hmm. That's pretty much what I'm going with. And the there. Defiler has more wounds or same amount of wounds? I think he has two more wounds. I, I could be wrong there, though. 
Yeah, that's uh, that's looking like uh, we're probably going to have to uh, grab yeah, some they... defilers before they go out of stock here. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that so w- would be great if it were to happen. <laughs> I mean, um, a new defiler model would be great, but I don't. Oh, yeah. I don't know if we see that happening, right? Yeah, plus it's such an iconic model that uh, they'd have to do something really good with it to really make me excited about a replacement defiler kit because the the kit right. actually is aged very well. And I think you talked about this at one point. There is a there's a an article that floats around how you can take two of those models and make like a scorpion version of it. Is that yeah, true? Yeah, yeah. There there is a old white dwarf that you take two defiler kits and a hacksaw, uh, and you can turn it into what's called the lesser bla- brass scorpion of corn. That uh, ha- which doesn't have, have a profile now, right? Yeah, but it, you could run it as a defiler. Yeah, you could easily run it as a defiler. I don't think anyone would. Uh... It's going to be bigger than the than the current one, right? So it'll be a little longer, but a little shorter than the the current defiler, uh, not taking the tail into account. Well, so hopefully we can hunt that down and maybe get a copy of that article up on the uh, Discord server for folks looking for it. <laughs> yeah. All right. So Predator is probably the other one just to have a quick quick chat about here um it's obviously come down a little bit of points the last cannon sorry the last cannon variant of the predator actually comes down in points versus what it was before the auto cannon variant of it however goes up because the predator did see a very modest uh increase in points a very slight increase um so it kept it in line with everything else increasing uh, but the rest of the other guns that were on there uh didn't i think adjust all that much so the last cannon one with the you know if you take you know, the twin last cannon and the two side land last cannons, you're now looking at about 210 points, whereas before it was 215. Um, that's continued to come down even from previous chapter proofs. Um, it, you know, as, I know this is a popular option that we see folks take as the anti-take option, just because it's so many good, strong hits, and you can buff one of those things. You put prescience on it, you put a sorcerer nearby to reroll ones or Aramon or something like that. So... What do we think? Is that something that continues to see play? So I think the issue that um, the the reason why the last cannon predator went down, whereas the auto cannon predator went up, is the fact that the auto cannon predator has always been more reliable of the two, in addition to being cheaper. Um, with the way that 8th edition has worked out with the prevalence of invuln saves and the, I don't know, how durable things are to uh, LAS cannon shooting, uh, they, the LAS cannon has suffered considerably throughout this edition with how swingy it is because it's, it's just a D6. So you could get six, but you could get a one. I think that unless something is changed with the way the damage is done for the last cannons, I, I don't know if we'll see predators in a competitive list just because of, again, how swingy the damage is on the the damage. Yeah, that's a good point because it's it gets compared to the new Primera stuff, right? Like all the shiny new toys the Space Marines get, and a lot of their stuff have just built-in modifiers to say, well, if you roll less than three, don't worry about it; just count to three. Yeah, and or it's kind of like. You, that makes a huge the, uh, difference. Yeah, the uh, cannon off of the uh, Mechanicus Crab Walkers, they deal minimum three damage. 
Yeah, exactly. Anything that's got a mechanic like that at least minimizes your floor so that you have some reason to gamble for some upside. Like you're you're already starting from a good spot in the worst yeah. case scenario. Whereas with the last cannon, you're starting from a pretty bad spot. Like even one or two damage at that point is pretty retarded when you're when you're spending that many points. Whereas, you know, when I'm looking at this, you're almost 50 points cheaper. Well, yeah, you're you're just over 50 points cheaper to take a uh, the the auto cannon variant of the Predator. Uh, and then you could probably even slap a couple heavy bolters on there and actually do some work against uh, infantry. Now yeah. the big thing, the big thing I do hope um, these are the prime kind of models where the Inferno Bolt stratagem I think is supposed to work on. Where you just say, "Hey, look, I've got a Predator. He's got two twin heavy bolters. Let's upgrade those heavy bolters to AP two. I can see spending a CP to do that for a vehicle. But I can't see doing it twice, like two CP to make both of them AP2. That's yeah. just ridiculous. It was already barely worth it on like a Hellbrood or something like that. But uh, with the again, with the move and shoot, um, you know, that that might be a model that we have to kind of wait and see. You know, I've got three of them sitting on the shelf. I could I could definitely haul them out and give them a give them a good run dust off. So um, one thing that's uh... I don't know. It's unrelated to the, I guess, the points changes. That's interesting. Um, is one uh, one thing we've seen is that anything that was considered a sort of legacy option um, is gone. Um, I don't see points values for uh, units that uh, existed because of the indexes um, and existed in previous editions. Um, there just don't seem to be any information there on those. So I'm imagining that. Uh, we're going to see the advent of the sort of legends model that Age of Sigmar yeah. has. Um, and we also do not have points yet for anything Forge World. Um, yeah, so I don't know if this. Well, those are. I think those are starting to leak out. Um, one of our uh, one of our buddies, Jorg, was uh, talking to me earlier today, and he said he found uh, he found some information on one of them, but I don't think it's actually been posted mm. uh, or scraped yet for all that information. It it's been floating around, so I think there's some evidence uh, that some of the numbers we're hearing are probably correct. But we at at the recording here, we don't have. Uh, any information to 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 back up back that up and actually make a case on some of those and yeah. it's probably worth another discussion at some point because there's so many of those that fill out some of the other options in there things like drop pods could be worthwhile um, you know we still have the drills we have uh, you know some of the heavy options in there you know we just don't know what's going to happen also with the profiles on them a lot of them could change they're rewriting a lot of those books uh, so who knows kind of what what the deal is going to be with that stuff when it comes out. The other thing to keep in mind, there's profiles and stuff that could be changing even in the core book and the core codex as they come out. Yeah. I don't think it's likely. It's not like they went through and revamped everything, but I could see them making little tweaks to things like uh, maybe the thousand suns get AP two bolters just baked into their costs uh, or, you know, things like that, where if you look at, for example, Scarab Occult Terminators, they have those beautiful, uh, AP2 combi bolters. Those now cost the same price as the regular combi bolters. So I'm I'm willing to start to bet that you because what they're doing with the army design and they're starting to lock folks into not lock them but really incentivize mono armies. 
they're now going to be able to do these things where, hey, you know what? The Thousand Suns AP2 Bolter costs the same as the non-AP2 Bolter for Chaos Space Marines, but that's the benefit of kind of running Thousand Suns. And I can't do everything that Chaos Space Marines can do, but they can't do everything that Thousand Suns can do. So I think we start to get into this realm where it almost becomes impossible to just look at those two things and say, well, is it fair for uh, the, the really most common one that is still now uh, a debatable topic, the guardsman, right? The, the five point guardsman and the six point cultists that we now have in ninth edition again, uh, the, dif- the disparity there. Uh, you know, maybe that's not fair to look at those two and say that they are apples to apples. Yeah. And uh, that's definitely us that definitely I did so- see here is that. They because they are baking in the cost of a unit's basic weapon into the unit. Uh, different armies have different costs, or even different units inside the same army have different costs for the same weapon, um, which I think is actually good uh, because the value of let's say a power sword on a guardsman character is nowhere near the same value as if you put it on a space ring character. Right. Yeah. So I start to think that it's not likely. I don't want to, I don't want to get carried away here and, and assume that, Hey, this is the kind of stuff that'll be happening, but I could see it in the cards. Like when the codex comes out um, or even in the big rule book, just some, even just some small tweaks to some profiles for armies where they, they have everything set up to be able to do that kind of stuff. I could yeah. see them doing it. Yeah. Though it should be important to note that infantry squads and guardsmen did go up by one point. Very exciting. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, <laughs> I mean, I still don't know why they're, they're cheaper again than cultists, but since cultists have had so many things stripped away from them. Yeah. That's a, uh... Hard one to explain. Hard one to explain. So the only other things I I think worth calling out right now, Zangors, they're definitely pushing the army away from Zangors, without a doubt. All of them getting the point increases they did. The general design of the missions. The I mean, I don't see too many reasons now to take Zangors. So... I actually don't think Zengors are in as quite as bad of a spot as that. Uh, primarily, so because of the um, one, everything is getting a points increase, um, and so yes, Zengors increased from eight. Oh, well, they increased actually have increased uh, twice in the last year, right? It went from seven to eight to nine. Uh, yes, that's correct. But the thing is. Yeah, Zangors have lost value compared to, for instance, taking Rubric Marines. Though, according to looking at this, they've actually gone up by the same percentage of points. But the thing is, a blob of Zangors is a the type of thing you have to, as an opponent, play around. Um, if, for instance, your opponent is playing an assault army charging into a Thousand Suns army that has Zangors in reserve ready to counter-assault is a bad proposition um, because of how good Zangors are once they actually get into combat against most other types of light infantry. 
And so I actually, as much as I think that there will probably be some initial sort of knee-jerk reactions moving to a more rubric-based army, um, I think Zangor still definitely have their place. So you see there as being maybe one big Zangor blob in, or medium-sized Zangor blob in most armies still? or a, Yeah, or so like 20 Zangors like out of line of sight uh, or behind a piece of uh, a line of sight blocking piece of terrain um, so that that way if a harlequin troop does bounce up the field into the middle of your army or orcs jump or gene stealers come out of a sewer they can mulch them and let your the rest of your army actually do its job um, alternatively they can still be used in the current capacity of just throw them across the field as a distraction while the rest of your army positions. Well, the point I'm looking at right now is not to start from the standpoint of using the Zangor. So it used to be that I'd have to include at least 20 as a threat, uh, or at least some way to get behind everything. But with duplicity now, um, with the infiltrating stratagem, I can I can basically put a big blob of rubric marines into the into the senator board and almost accomplish the same thing now, right? Almost to a better degree in that I don't even have to make a charge. I can now fire twice on my first, on the first turn. If I want to, if I'm not going first, I can now put them, put them out of line of sight. Um, you know, it just seems like the, the, mo the strategy possible with the rubric Marines, it's much more flexible now than with Zangors where it's kind of like a one trick thing where, you, you know, they come in, they better be screened off. And if they're, if they're not screened off, then you better make the charge and you bet you need the reroll me mechanisms to make the charge. But those have kind of gotten worse because now we have to reroll the whole charge, not just one die. So I don't know how much I want to invest in rubric or in Zangors out the gate, um, especially Zangor enlightened because yes, I can put them in reserve, but I can't really do anything with them when they come in. They basically just come in and they're going to have to take a turn of shooting no matter what. So, you know, with Magnus, I at least have the point of I can bring him in. I can save him so I can buff him up so that when he does take his round of shooting, he's prepared for it. Yeah. But with Zangor Enlightened, there's nothing I can really do there. I can't get him out of line of sight. I can't, you know, mm -hmm. I might as well just leave him on the board. And as usual, they get shot off the board really quick. I mean, they, they are now the same exact cost as a rubric marine um it just doesn't to me the zangors have kind of lost a little bit of luster here that they are not they are no longer obviously the core of the army we saw that change happen with chapter approved but now they are almost getting pushed into the bottom of the army where stuff like defilers uh, you know mauler fiends forge fiends maybe the mutilith vortex beast uh, those things just have a better role with the new rules and the new meta that maybe that's the, you know, what we see a lot more and the Zangors just kind of take a back seat and we don't see them very much. Yeah. I mean, Enlightened have been in the bad place since the rule of three got implemented. Yes. Um, but uh, I mean, actually, Zangor Enlightened with uh, Fate Craster Great Bows are more expensive than Rubrics. Uh, that's just ridiculous. Model for model. Uh, so yeah, I, I don't think enlightened really 
are in a good spot. Uh, I, I do think regular troop Zangors will still see play, just not as prolific as they have previously. Um, <laughs> um, but cultists have always had a very odd place in the army, and with the them increasing again and the gap between them and Zangors decreasing again further, it's I don't know that they serve a purpose unless you're literally playing some sort of meme army where you took two units of cultists to fill out your troops so you have more points to throw in other ridiculous things. All right, so let's take a step back. What, do you, Mike, what, if I'm looking at building an army to start here, where where do you start with a Thousand Suns army now? So just looking at what I have available to me, I would definitely start with the Exalted Sorcerer. Uh, the Exalted Sorcerer box has always been a great value. All right, uh, let's... Let's let's ask one thing here. So Airman's always been an auto take, right? Yeah. Every single Thousand Sons army is he still an auto take? You know, an exalted sorcerer is a hundred points base, plus the force staff is free now, and he's got an inferno bolt pistol, which is also free, I believe. Yes, so he's a hundred points flat. Uh, as compared to our first librarian, Aramon, who is now 150 points. And I don't know that he's necessarily always worth the extra 50 points. It at least raises the question now, right? So it does. That, it's, it's interesting because it was all of 8th edition just... You started. You, know, you start a new list. It was literally all right. Let's put Aramon in there, and okay, we, you know, we put whatever else we wanted in there as the as the beginning of that. And it was just like every single list with Thousand Suns was Aramon plus maybe some sorcerers. Yeah, I can see definitely making the case that the Exalted Sorcerers now might be the starting point because you get the reroll ones for shooting. Uh, you pretty much get everything that you get with Aramon except. Uh, I don't think he, I don't think they have as many attacks. Maybe one less attack, but I know the black staff that Araman has is a flat three damage staff. Yes, and you don't get the plus one all the time. But with warlord traits and things like that, you can skirt that and kind of make up for that. So I I'm definitely with you. I think the the exalted sorcerers are all of a sudden going to be like the the new rage here. Yeah, and especially with the fact that Araman can't benefit from cult. Uh, relics, warlord traits, and psychic powers, but the Exalted Sorcerer can. That's really what gives them the leg up for me in regards to list construction. Oh yeah, for sure. That I mean, that's huge actually. When you think yeah. about you know how how big the new PA uh, psycho waving stuff is, that yeah, being able to do duplicity stuff, you know, all those kind of things, teleport your sorcerer mm -hmm. over somewhere. I mean, that's going to be a pretty big thing. Yeah, I mean, from there, uh, I would start with what has always been my mainstay of a few units of rubric marines again it's with the way the points changes have sort of fallen out and psychic awakening rubric marines are in a very good spot and after you've got your core of your hq plus your troops and assuming we're going for a battalion i'd consider throwing in aramon or demon prince of zinch with wings because it did not get a points increase interestingly enough um I would fill in sort of to taste um, with 
my sort of predilections and what I'm seeing here, I'd actually probably go for a defiler um, as like my the next thing I'd get after you've got the sort of the core battalion filled out uh, because of how useful it is in the current and then the new edition. And from there, it would be a little difficult to say exactly what I'd go to with what we have available. Um, maybe. I don't think I'd... So Rhinos went up in points again, which... Eh. And they they also took a small nerf with the vehicle changes. Well, there is a sneaky change in there, and you might like this change. Combi Meltas came down in price. They did. So even though the Rhino might have gone up a little bit, your ability to maybe advance and shoot the Melta mm-hmm. uh, has has actually gotten maybe cheaper... Maybe not cheaper. I, I yeah, it think it came down, down like five points. Five, five maybe points. on the so yeah. your net change is five point. Is actually uh four, you you went up by six points uh, total because the combi bolter also. I guess you can replace the combi bolter, but regardless, it, it's a little more expensive. But the th- big thing is that with the way I like to use rhinos, um, that sort of springboarding off of the rhinos has been reduced significantly. Uh, which isn't a bad thing. I think that that was uh, sort of cheesy. However, the with duplicity being a thing um, and the ability to reserve sections of your army, uh, having a rhino to shield against first turn alpha strikes um, isn't necessarily as valuable as it was in 8. Um, the other unit that actually we haven't talked about that came out pretty good, um, all things considered, um, is the Helldrake. Uh, I actually think that the, that will actually see a decent amount of play now that the... Uh, it did go up in points by 10 points, but it's not a significant increase over where it was before. But yeah, they, I think that... They are a little... They are a little... Uh, what? Delicate. Yeah, but I mean, no more so than any other of the Demon Engines. That's true. So... I think I'm with you on the core. I, there's a couple things I'm looking at that are different. I'm probably going to start out with Magnus, and I'm probably going to start with a battalion at Magnus and one other detachment. So I'm going three detachments, but here's what I'm doing. I think I'm going to be able to take the Noctilith crown in addition to some of the other stuff. So if I'm going to take something like a Hellbrute or some Rhinos and things like that, I can give them a five-up invuln to start the turn. I can give myself something that re-rolls ones uh, or re-rolls psychic, uh, psychic tests in a bubble. And with the compressed board, I should be able to deploy the Noctilith crown in a way that I can control a certain area of the battlefield. Um, and if they decide that they're going to shoot that thing, it's only 85 points right now. Yeah. And as long as it shares the same faction as my warlord, which is chaos, you know, mm-hmm. it... It is free, essentially. So I don't have to pay any any extra stratagems or anything to take a fortification. And I think that thing fits supernatural into the army. It also gives me the ability to reroll summoning tests if I want to, just for free. Uh, so, you know, the option to think about potentially summoning some demons uh, might actually still work. Uh, where that's almost like a better deep striking outflank. So you don't have to actually pay... 
command points for it anymore. Uh, you can deploy your guys up. It's 12 inches away. They just don't have to move. And with duplicity, you could essentially um, summon and then teleport your dude over somewhere if you need to. Um, yeah. So there's all sorts of like neat mobility things that you can do there. Um, I guess the, the big thing uh, for me is I think you want to fill out with as many rubric Marines as you can. I, again, I think I'm buying into the whole MSU uh, thing that everybody's really talking about. I see it, uh, the missions and holding objectives and being able to take objectives. I'm, I'm like thinking about doubling down on the durability of rubric Marines. The fact that I can put a big blob in your face and then I have a bunch of other small five man squads, maybe in rhinos, uh, maybe another other delivery mechanisms, and then maybe I fit a Hellbrute or a you know like like we were just talking about. Maybe there's room for a Defiler and Magnus on top of all that stuff, and then just toss in a you know a Noctilith Crown for the for the heck of it. And uh, you know there's a whole bunch of stuff there that just starts to work pretty well. Yeah. All right. Well, we've we've definitely covered the points pretty well, um, and we've I think we've talked a little bit about. Uh, the, uh, you know, the army construction now, uh, we're still kind of waiting to see the final, I guess the final bits from the big rule books. Um, we're going to be doing a live read through in two weeks when the official book comes out. I think we're probably going to have a couple special guests join us. Uh, so it'll be just an afternoon. We'll be going through the book. Uh, I'll probably have a camera set up. We'll, we'll be looking through the pages on it. Um, just talking about different aspects of the rules and things like that. Probably get some per competitive perspectives or sp yeah, perspectives. Uh, and uh, yeah, we'll hopefully be able to give you guys some, uh, some good info on that. Yeah. Am I forgetting anything though, Mike? Uh, I, what, what could that be? Now, as usual, I always forget, Magnus did nothing wrong. Important to remember that Magnus did nothing wrong.